Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, so <laughs> we're going to go in three, two, one. Lions Lounge Lockdown, episode four. Joe Dolan all the way from the Gold Coast. Thanks for joining us, Joe. No problem, Danny. Been waiting for the call. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Finally, you got it, mate. Finally, you got it. And uh, we've had a couple of chats. One off here. One test run that didn't quite work out for us. But uh, you're definitely not going to hold back, mate. And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to uh, listening to your story, spending a bit of time here over the Skype. Mm. Joined Millwall in 1998 till 2005. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, you only played a, a, around 50 games, obviously. Injury played a part, but we'll get on to that later. We'll start out with how you ended up coming to the club and signing for Mill. Yeah, yeah, well, um, yeah, and again, thanks thanks for having me. I love watching uh, watching the boys. Um, I thought they've all spoke really well, to be honest. Um, and I think, you know, I think me, like any other Lions fan, has picked up the phone and gone, oh, an hour and 20, an hour and 40, no chance. And I've watched all of them. They've all been brilliant. So well done to the, to the other boys. Um, yeah, I'll try not to be that long. I ain't got many games. <laughs> I ain't got many games to talk about, so that helps. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm uh, Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I was um, I was at Chelsea as a kid from from 15 to 18. Um, I didn't do a YT. Um, my parents had basically decided, along with Gwyn Williams and, and Ted Dow, that, you know, I was up against it even then to, to get a pro contract. I was just delighted that they'd offered to keep me on. Um, so Mondays and Fridays, I went to Chelsea, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I went to school, um, and learned really how to, how to be a better footballer. I'm not going to say a footballer, I'm going to say a better footballer. So, um, yeah, I had a good couple of years there, um, a lot of travel, you know, from Biggin Hill to, to Hounslow West, their training ground out at, um, Hatton Cross there, um, Harlington. So I was doing that on a Monday and a Friday morning. Um, and I managed to get my two A-levels um, and obviously got released when they moved JT from centre-mid to centre-back. I'm not sure they made the right call there. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I got bombed then. And um, and I was I was back at school. I was filling out university applications and my, my boss at my school is still there now. And he knew somebody, um, he knew a dinner lady, John Burton, sure that is, from, from my old school. Um, he knew somebody and I went down to Millwall on trial about the same time as Ives. Um, and it was, it was a really intimidating changing room because 
you know, we still had a lot of our second years at the time still wanting to get a contract. Danny Edwards, Lee Holsgrove was, I, I just thought it was a Rolls Royce. And I think that probably played a part against him um, in that he was such a good footballer, could ping it with both feet. Um, I think he's Ryan Macker and his brother Paul played for me as well. I think. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think I think to be honest, when it came to him, they were maybe looking for him to be a little bit more <laughs> of a, an old-fashioned centre. <laughs> I don't know, but there was other players, you know, Danny Edwards, Phil Eagle, all battling for those last couple of places. So. Um, I was I was over the moon when when I got the call from from the gaffer from Billy Bonds to go upstairs, um, and like I said to you off off air, I'm not letting Reedy away with that. I heard him say three seven five. That was not. And then he's talking about pots and pissing in. There was nothing wrong with the size of his pot. I can tell you that. It was it was gear dripping off him. He was he had the he had the he had the the saxo was like a GTI. I didn't even know they had GTI saxos. <laughs> And he, he, he'd always flaunt his Sun City garage tape cassette. Remember them? He was like, here you go, you want some of them? Well, he had plenty. Don't worry about him. So <laughs> I went up and Billy said to me 150. And I was like, yeah, no problem. And I was happy with that. And I went back downstairs and, and all the other boys had been in already and got their sorted. So 150 pounds um, a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I've said to me, um, I, I didn't go up much in my seven years either. Um I've said to me, you've got to go and ask for more. You've got to go and ask. Reedy's chuckling. Reedy's chuckling behind his Nike TM pose that he's polishing. Um, Ives has gone, you've got to go and say you live in Diggs. And I went, Ives, I live in Big and Hill, mate. It's 20 minutes away. He's going to know. And I I've, I've went upstairs again anyway. Just thought, fuck it. I might as well. And um, I said to Billy, like, I, I, I'm really, really grateful. But is there any chance I, I could um, I could have some more uh, just because of my Diggs and that? And um, he went, you live in Big and Hill. You can have one seven five now. Fuck off! And that was it. I ran, I ran down the stairs and, and told I told I I got two fifty just to piss him off, hoping it was a bit more than him. And then the games began, and that was it. We all made it up after that. What we were getting paid, all our bonuses, we were all lying anyway. But um, no, I was I was delighted. I was really really pleased, and obviously it had just done well, and 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 showed them you know, what, what they wanted at the time. So impress the right people, and, and that's what football is about. Was that, that the day you signed? Was that the day, uh, the photo that you sent me earlier on on, on Twitter? You sent me a photo of you sitting down yeah, at the table was... with your mum and dad? Mark Mark Anderson came out of nowhere and, and Mick Flanagan. Yeah, no, it was... Um, that was that was the like you said off off air. That was the the beginning of photo bombing, because the only thing I can compare it to is is being on holiday in Egypt with your missus, which I've been, and you're taking a photo of you and the pyramids in the background. All of a sudden, this camel comes out of nowhere and goes ta da, and wants fifty <laughs> rupees or whatever from your from your, for your photo. And you're like, well, I didn't want you in the photo. I wanted the pyramids in the photo, not you. And and with this with me signing with me signing my contracts, I was like. Where did you come from? I didn't. I didn't know what Mark had to do with me at all, and he just appeared in that photo, and his hands were on me back, and I thought it was Mick Flanagan, and that was that was that was. Uh, I had no idea, and obviously, you know, he was an agent um, or a recruiting officer or a scout or whatever. You know, don't don't get me wrong. I love Mark, I, I, but I didn't know. I didn't know where he fit into that whole deal. Now I obviously know that he claimed me and would have got a cut and everyone gets paid and everyone gets happy. But he went on and, and he's still doing a really good job. I think he works worked for Man United and Liverpool and maybe Brighton. So um, if you're out there, Mark, thanks for everything you did, mate. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the photobomb. 
he's, he's yeah. just, his first name on his CV, Joe Dolan, Millwall, that's what got the ball rolling for him probably in his career. Absolutely. It didn't roll very far, did it? <laughs> so do you remember your Millwall debut? Yeah, I've got to be honest. I think, sorry, you know, before, you, before you do, so many mm. people remember your Millwall debut, all firing into yeah. me when Joe comes on, asking him about the Gillian Amorto windscreen game, because that was your yeah. debut. Yeah, I've got to be honest, it's probably my best memory. Um, you know, there's another one a little bit later down the line um, when I'd come back from the injuries, but Gillingham was just such a amazing feeling. Like I've, I've, I've got to be honest, I've had to go back and check some figures and check the internet and, and whatever. We had a massive crowd that day, didn't we? We had like... For for those for that season, we had like a really big crowd. I think they brought two thousand. We had twelve or something like that. Um, so it's a really big occasion. And obviously, I think I only got in because Fitz. I think Fitz was injured. He'd done his back or something. Um, Scott Fitzgerald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fitzy. Um, the, the the three that I played with, Fitzy, Nevers, and Daishi, were just three very different but brilliant leaders. You know, great people to learn from. I, you know, I, I enjoyed that. And, and learned so much from them that I took, you know, into the rest of my life, not just my career, but, um, you know, Nevers, I think I started with, and it was, um, it was like Carla Saba, Bob Taylor, I think, I think that was his name. And people were looking at me in the eye going, do you know about them? And I'm like, nah, don't know, don't know anything about them. I was playing in the youth team last week. So, <laughs> you know, I think, I think with, um, with that sort of you, that naivety on, on your side, um, you know, it, it played a part in all of our, our careers at that sort of stage and no I, I just I remember everything just seemed to go um the way I wanted it to including obviously the result for the team but um yeah Asaba was 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 a, a big name player in that league at that time and um yeah everything just went well so it was a yeah really really memorable day and, and night for me and my family yeah, some, a lot of people saying online, and obviously at the time, social media wasn't a thing. So, no disrespect to you, no one knew who the fuck he was. Who did you playing centre half? Who's absolute lump playing centre half? There was people in 2005 saying that as well when I was just finishing off my time there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll um, tell you what, he, he does say it right along the way, getting that, that length of contract. Fucking yeah, hell. Well, you see, that, that was the, the. The thing is, when I came in, um, you know, and that's where playing with Nevers really helped me. I wasn't really, I wasn't really a head it, boot it man, Danny. That that wasn't what I'd I'd ever done. Like, and obviously being at Chelsea, everything was about passing the ball, and I couldn't do that either. So don't get me wrong, I weren't I weren't I weren't coming in as a purist. Like, give me the ball, give me the ball, I can play. I can't play. <laughs> um, but but what worked really well with with Nevers, obviously, was that Nevers was like, I'm fucking going to edit this, so you just get behind me in case I miss it. And I was like, mate, all day long, just I'll do that, no problem. And that's that's how partnerships work, you know, and Nevers, yeah. Nevers, wanted, Nevers wanted the one-to-one. He, he didn't want to be running in channels. I could run in channels all day long. It didn't bother me. I could run. Um, so, you know, that, that was our, our partnership. And it, it sort of, it, it definitely, definitely played a part in my career later on that people expected me to be that kind of player. And I, and I just wasn't. But... As, as I went into non-league, I had to become that player because I couldn't run anymore. So, um, you know, early early on, you know, you look at the photos. We were kids, Danny. We were so, like, there was nothing of me. And I, I never stopped growing until I was 25. So, you know, when every time I came back from an injury, I looked like a different bloke. Not just yeah. eating pies and drinking pints down at Big and Hill Social Club. But, um, 
but yeah, it was, it was, um, you know, those early days, that was it. It was about building a partnership. And I think Nevers loved having me beside him. Um, you know, he liked having defenders around him. Robbie Ryan will tell you all about that when you get him on. But um, yeah, that Gillingham game was, was and, and obviously it meant something. It wasn't just any other league game. It was a night game as well. I think that's, that always adds to it. You know, a night game is a little bit more of a special atmosphere. And, you know, the fans were buzzing and yeah, it was a magic, magic night. So after that, did you pretty much become a first team regular? Yeah, I, 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 I ducked in and out. Like so, that that season, um, we obviously finished at Wembley, but then had a few more games after that, and I broke my jaw. So um, we that was the year that Fulham won the league. I think um, is that right? Did Fulham win the league that year? Oh, God knows, mate. Yeah, I think they did. But anyway, I, I'd sort of. I did. I played uh, played a few games because that was towards the end of the year, obviously, because we had the two Walsall semi-finals. Um, I think Fitzy might have come back in, um, but then we had the big summer, didn't we? That all of us have uh, sort of vaguely touched on. Um, and then at the start of the, the following year, surprisingly, I checked as well. I started the first four games and then got dropped. Funny that, isn't it? Um, <laughs> And I'll, I'll set the fact right. The facts are that we went to Tenerife, we went to Ibiza, and we went to Cavos. So Reedy, again, is trying to glam it up and say that we went to Malia. We never went to Malia. We went to Cavos. <laughs> there was shit floating past our hotel down the street every morning. That's, that's where we were. We were in Cavos. So, um, yeah, and, and to be fair, talking memories about games, because there won't be many, that, that year, we played Stoke on telly. Do you remember we played Stoke on telly and we lost 3-1, I think? And I give a penalty away. I, 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 I think I tied to... Um, I had a beast. I had a beast anyway. Like we, we lost 3-1 and it was it was one of our only ever games on, on Sky Sports. And I was awful. And um, I think I got dropped and was in and out of the team that following year. And that, that's when we got to the playoffs and lost to Wigan. And again, I was out of the team by then. So... You know, there was still some, you know, Fitzy, Nevers. Um, I think, not sure whether Dice should come in by then, but even Brian Laws. Jamie Stewart was playing a bit at centre-half as well. So I wasn't really a regular until the year we actually won the league. Um, in that season, I sort of started the first 12 and then uh, then got sent off against Ipswich. Do you remember we played Ipswich in the, in the League Cup? League Cup, yeah. We lost five, about 5-1 yeah. at their ground. I remember that, yeah. Well, we beat him at home. So we beat him at home, and then McGee. I think that was when McGee um, took over. He was in the he was in the the dugout, and Ray Harford was taking the team, and um, and I got sent off before half time for two yellows. Tony Warner saved the penalty and kept us in the game, but then by the end of of normal time, I think Reedy had been sent off as well, and we were hanging on, and then they got another goal that took it into extra time. And then Ray, Ray, Ray was brilliant. Ray was trying to tell the boys to go down injured, lie on the floor, roll off the pitch. He was trying to get the game abandoned. McGee was in the dugout like this going, what the fuck have I got myself into here? Um, but uh, yeah, so I was suspended then, um, but then got back in again. And I think, you know, that was my longest run with Daishi. Um, you know, I played 14 games with him then. And then the injury started. So um, it was all good, all good up until then. Oh, yes, my original that's my question I was going to speak. You know, you break into the side. Mm. Um, when you played that day alongside Nevers, you said against Gillingham, so you replaced Scott Fitzgerald that day. Yeah, I think bit, when, when you've played really well the next day, like, is he a little bit like who's this young prick think he is, sort of thing? Or was uh, he all right? 
he wasn't like that, and I don't think anyone was in that change room. He, I think he would have known that he'd get back in. Um, you know, it was only one game for me, and I was 18 at the time. But, um, you know, he was a great bloke, Fitz, and, and you know, he, he is. And so that's what I mean. So is Daishi. So was Nevers. Um, you know, Matty Lawrence coming in later on. Real genuine, you know, good guys that, that we just, just galvanised. You know, Tony behind us, Spinko. I remember, uh, I think it was... Read it mentioned Spinko as a goalkeeper, and you know it was um, it was just a really good place to be and very supportive and competitive. Don't get me wrong, you're you're all still you know playing for places, but yeah, um, you know we we helped each other along the way, and I I would no, I wouldn't hesitate to say that he would have congratulated me for that until we found out about the bonuses anyway. <laughs> so after Billy Bonds gave you a little bit extra on top, a bit of a bonus, he gets sacked. Ryan mm. McCleary come in. What was your first yeah. take on that? Yeah, well, I didn't. I didn't really know them that well, you know. I obviously knew that Rhino was was a serious, you know, legend and Millwall man through and through. I think at the time he had a, a convertible BMW 3 Series that had the number plate Den J10 Den. It was like fuck me, this guy really loves the club. So um, <laughs> yeah, he was um, he was serious, and obviously, you know, even to this day, and he lives lives five minutes away from me. He's never been a, a, man, a, a people man, you know. He's not the best communicator. He's, you know, that's never been part of, of his makeup. And we, none of us knew what he liked and what he didn't. You know, he um, he came in as a as a as a player manager. Um, he'd been taking the reserves, and, and Macca had obviously been playing as well. Um, but you know, with the guidance of the people they had around him, you know, I think Dave Kemp came in. Dave Kemp had a lot of experience. Um, you know, and and we it galvanised us. We 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 were in that sink or swim. You know, we had the good. They were getting rid of those boys that a few of them talked about that earned too much money. You know, the club was struggling, so the big the big earners were getting shipped out, and the young lads were were having to come in. And I know I sort of talked about another change of the guard later on. You know, when there was again there was big earners and and the, the club was struggling financially. So. Um, yeah, it, it, they, I, I, it's, it's a question that I've always wanted answered, and it never will be because I'd only ever ask Rhino, and he never gives anyone a straight answer anyway. But I'd love to know whether he wanted me in the team, or whether Macca did, or, or whether neither of them did, and it was Bob Pearson. I don't know, but um, I've got to be honest. I agree with the lads that that Brentford game it was a real, real shock. And again, I had to look back in the, in the fixtures. We'd won the first three in in that season. Mm. Um, but then we lost a couple and we only drew that day. But yeah, the fans just went absolutely vitriol on, on the gaffer and Macca. And obviously, you know, it, it changed after that. And, and we were all pretty surprised because we all knew that we had talent and that we'd probably bounce back. But, you know, like I said, I spoke to Tony off the record the other day and, um, you know, we just can't say anything other than Mark took us to the next level. You know, yeah. whether Rhino and Macca would have been able to do that as well, we'll never know. All we do know is that, is that Mark definitely did, and it was it was obviously the start of a good few years for the club. Yeah. One thing that Rhino Macca did do, that Mark McGee was out of his hands, he couldn't have done it. They gave you a start at Wembley. Yeah. In the auto-windscreen win screen final against Wigan. We yeah. heard the other boys on this. Was you yeah. surprised to make the team that day? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it was... It was um, again, and that that was probably only one, that was probably one thing that I felt like Rhino was supporting us young lads in that. Mm. Um, I think he he knew that, you know, we'd probably, you know, maybe never get another chance at that, even even as young as we were. And and I think he had a few bones to pick with some of those older pros. 
Um, I was surprised when you said the other day that Ricky Newman started in midfield. I, I would never have remembered that Numo played that day. Um, but like like the other boys said, it was um, it was such a special day, but such a blur. You know, like we just yeah. can't can't really remember the game. I think the game was a bit of a non-event. Um, you know, Sads Sads wasn't well. You know, he was he was transparent at the best of times, but I think he was green on on the field against against them um especially because it was hot you know paddies don't don't do very well when it's above five degrees so i think i think sad was sad's weren't on form but it was it was also the way we lost dan we we i think you would have taken a free new hammering better than the way the way it went you know a last minute scrappy shitty goal oh, it was just horrible it was horrible so um but yeah you, you know and, and i agree with again one of the other lads that was wembley you know, the new Wembley is a, a whole different thing. That that Wembley was a football stadium, you know. It was an and, antique almost, wasn't it? Yeah, and my dad has got a photo of him just as they were reading the teams, the team names on that big Coca-Cola scoreboard. Mm. And, and it got to six Joe Dolan and my dad was like that and my mum took a photo of it. So, um, yeah, that was that's, that was a brilliant day and uh, very lucky to get the nod that day, yeah, for sure. What was you, you, you telling me before we started as well about, about that day, about the um, getting the nod above, mm. above uh, Fitz and there was, there was something worked out with the money or something? The bonus yeah. yeah, so we basically, there was a pot. There's, there's always a pot for, for bonuses, for league games, for cup games, for whatever. And um, Rhino and Macca basically decided, you know, to put it to the vote to decide whether it gets split amongst all the people that have played in the previous rounds, um, or to just go with a start and eleven on the day. And I think by then we knew what the team was, and obviously we knew then that we'd get more money if it was just split between the start and eleven. So yeah, yeah. you know, there's half of these senior pros standing behind us, and I can hear them growling and giving it. Oh, for fuck's sake! The kid's only played two games. He's going to get whatever he's going to get. So it was a real, it was a real tense moment, as I say. Uh, Fitzy never spoke to me. I don't think for three or four months after that. But um, yeah, it was again. I think Rhino was supporting us on on the bonuses, and, and and we took it and ran. And I think I upgraded my um, I think I upgraded my Vauxhall Corsa to a Golf after that. But, uh, I don't know what Reed he was on by then. He was probably had an X5 by then. So. Uh, <laughs> Ten years before they came out, he got in there. He got in there sharp. I'd say so. Yeah, he got his on pre-order. Injuries, obviously. Your your, your career got cut short by injuries. Mm. What was it? Yeah. Was it a combination of injuries, or was it when did this injury start creeping in? Yeah, First so time I, I broke my leg, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I broke my leg, and 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 here's the way that I can always make this quick and light-hearted. I can blame Robbie Ryan for all three of them. So that's 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 <laughs> the best. <laughs> that's the best part about them. So. Um, the first one, he did it. Like he physically broke my leg. So there's no denying that Robbie is is to blame for that. Um, the ball was coming out the air. We was playing Bristol Rovers at home, and the ball was coming out the air. The centre forward was there, and he sort of moved out the way, and I went to volley it clear. So I was standing on my left leg, and fucking kamikaze Robbie Ryan comes out of left back and slides straight through my fucking shin, doesn't he? And runs oh. off down the other end of the field. No apology. No, oops, I think I might have smashed you in half, mate. He's down the other end trying to score a goal. So that oh. was... Um, that was, was that, so that, that, was under, that would have been under McGee then, obviously, if Robbie Ryan was yeah, at the club. Yeah, McGee had, yeah, McGee had just... Um, had sort of, that, that was the year we won the league. So that was in the, the February of the year we won the league. Yeah. So I enough games for a, for a medal, which I was pleased about. But they basically... Um, they did a really good job on that break because the surgeon said to my parents and Jerry, the physio, 
who again was a massive part in in my life, not just my career. He's getting a Jerry guy as well. We like a lot of boys have mentioned him. I actually said to Denzel the other day, who's, who's this Jerry? Because all the boys speak very highly of him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, he's not just a physio. Do you know what I mean? He's a, he's a psychologist. He's a he's a he's a dad to some people that don't have dads in their lives, or an uncle, or a big brother. And people can confi- people confide in people that you don't expect them to. And um, you know, Jerry Jerry also played, and he also knew how we worked, and and he knew when to give you a bollocking. He knew when to give you a day off, he, and he was experienced. You know, he's still he's still in the game now. He's got his own um, physio practice. Uh, Doherty, Jerry Doherty. So he's up in um, Scotland at Dundee or Dundee United. I don't want to get that wrong. Um, but he's still a physio up there. Um, and he's got his own practice. And I stay in touch with him. You know, he that's that's one of the things that he will always have in his world and his life is that he helped a lot of us through some really yeah. tough times. And um, with, with that, you know, when we talk about the uni degree with Sads and I, we'd actually decided to quit two years into the three-year degree and um you know we told our parents and we thought that was it job done and we rolled into training the next day and, and told jerry and jerry said yeah that's fine don't ever come back in his treatment room and expect me to treat you so oh, me really? and sads looked at each other yeah, me and sads looked at each other and went fuck should we carry on we went yeah we better fucking carry on <laughs> so um you know we 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 finished that degree we we wouldn't i wouldn't be here living where i'm living um, and doing the job I'm doing, Sads wouldn't be able to do what he's doing if we'd never done that degree. That was a yeah. real foundation point for both of us. So, um, yeah, no, so so that was, um, so the first one was a broken leg. That was Robbie, 100% Robbie. Um, so, um, yeah, the surgeon said that night I'd never play again. Obviously, it didn't tell me that, um, but that was, it was, it was quite a bad break. Um, so they they didn't put a rod in it. They they've all they all they all put rods in them now. And 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 the surgeon was like, look, this is a bit of a mess. And if we put a rod in it, it's almost likely he'll never play again. So they put a plate in and eight pins, um, which got me back fit relatively fit quicker. Um, but the problem was when I got back fit, there was a few complications with it, and my toe was getting caught up in the, the callus of, and all kinds of messy stuff. And that's when I did my cruciate was um, in training, coming back from the broken leg before I got back in the first team. So I can, don't worry, I can still blame Robbie. So Robbie played the ball over my head for Steve Claridge to chase. And I turned to try and chase Claridge into the, into the corner and my knee buckled and I went down. And, and anyone who's done their cruciate will say to you, they don't know what happened. They don't know why they ended up on the floor. They just did. And it felt really weird. And as always, God bless him, straight on the scene was Ray Harford. He knew. Like, he knew. He just said, look, mate, just don't move for a minute. Just stay there for a minute. He was rubbing my knee, rubbing my back. It was like having my dad there. You know, I just immediately relaxed and, and oh, Ray knows what's going on. It's all fine. And um, got up and walked into the treatment room. And obviously, you don't know you've done your cruciate until you have an MRI scan. So that was another week away or whatever. And then, you know, back then you're out for six to nine months. Unless, of course, you're Tim Cale, because Tim Cale did his cruciate as well. And he was ready to train again after three, because he's an absolute freak of a human. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, there was me still doing my one-legged bike, and that prick's already ready to go again. So... Um, See, yeah, that was my first fucking doing like jumping eye out of my head. I'm thinking, mate, steady on. So um 
so yeah, that was that. Um, but the, the really nice part about it is I then, you know, I still went on all the tours, Dan, and, and the club, no players turned their back on me. Mark McGee never turned his back on me. Neither did Archie Knox. Neither did Gritty. Neither did Jerry. Neither did Theo. And that's, you know, we, we, we talk about my contract in jest, but, you know, Theo gave me a three-year contract when I was lying in hospital with a broken leg. So, you know, that for me was just an amazing contribution from him. Um, you know, it really, I could relax, you know, it helped me buy, not buy, but put a deposit down in my, my first flat in Bromley. Um, so, you know, it is a real special club to me. And that's why, you know, my all that in those three years, which is basically what it was when I was injured, I couldn't go to a game. I was, I was, I was too busy at McDonald's or down the social club with my mates playing the old golf game. You know, the, the old golf game, but you had the roller just drinking pints and playing that golf machine. But my mum and dad would go to every game. And I knew my mum and dad were going. And my mum and dad were going because they were representing the family and me and thanking the club because they knew that, you know, I would be nowhere without that contract that they'd given me when I was injured. So, you know, anything, you know, that head of education job, I wanted to get back to that club and, and help that club out that had, that had made such a difference in my life. And um, as I say, the nice bit to finish the injuries was when I did get back in the team, I think I wrote it down here somewhere, 03. So we'd moved on a bit. Um, but 03, we played Stoke away and Glenn Johnson was in the team. Wisey was in the team. So I'd finally got to play with Wisey, having listened to his bullshit for years at Chelsea. And then when he came back into us about how oh, these young lads don't know what they're doing, I actually managed to play in a game with him, which I've always wanted to do. Um, and we won 1 0. And that sort of, again, put to bed that shit Stoke performance on the telly mm -hmm. a few years before that. You know, it was in the same stadium. Um, and, and we beat them 1-0, and yeah, that was brilliant. My mum, yeah, my mum got a really nice photo of me at the end, and in that photo, just behind me is David Livermore, just behind him is Neil Harris, and just to the left is Glenn Johnson. So, you know, they're the memories that, you know, you take with you forever, and um, again, we get back to Robbie Ryan. So, you know, I was fine, I was in the team, and then the next game was Bradford, and it was nil-nil, um, and it was moving into the last 20 minutes, and Robbie was having this, a shot. Is this, is this 2003? Yeah, so the day after, the game after Stoke. So we played Stoke away, next game Bradford at home. It's nil-nil. I've done my job, clean sheet. Robbie's fucking kicking it out of play, you know, doing his usual. So McGee's decided, McGee's decided to go free at the back. So I've, I've gone left side of the back three, and, and you'll know that, if you remember back in the day, that side of the den was a shitty, sloppy, muddy area. That's what Robbie used to blame his first touch on all the time. Anyway, that's where I turned and did my cruciate the second time in the 70, 75th minute against uh, Bradford at home. And I knew that time. I knew it was my cruciate again. It's funny, though, because I was turning the other direction. So I turned... Same knee right. as well. Same, same knee. knee. Yeah, same knee. So not the same leg. So the broken leg's the left leg and the cruciate's on, on the other side. Um, so, yeah, I went down. I knew it was a cruciate again. Um, and that was me for, for a little while. So, um, But, yeah, Robbie's the fault for all three of them. So, um, <laughs> I'm, sure he'll be I'm sure he'll be overjoyed that after all this time you're still holding him accountable. Oh, he knows. He knows. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. He knows. You but, said there that your mum and dad, your mum and dad went to the games, and you was too busy down the Big Hill Social Club. Yeah, you're quite a joker. Like you know, at the time, you seem you seem a positive person, but you know, secretly, was that that must have killed you? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, everyone deals with it differently, you know. And um, the day, the day-to-day stuff, I could sort of get through. You know, it was because I was, I had my program, so I had my rehab. I went and saw Jerry. Jerry knew how to treat you. Um, so I, I always felt like I was making progress, Dan. But I couldn't go to a game. Like I, I didn't even go out and watch training. And that wasn't that wasn't a conscious decision. That's just what you're doing. I just mm. I just didn't want to do it. I just chose to do something else, which is normally eat or drink beer. Um, so, so, so yeah, it was just um, it, it's just how you cope with it, and everyone's different. And um, yeah, it, there was there was a period of time where you know I, I was I was pretty insular, and, and luckily I had a really good mate of mine. Um, who's still a good mate now, um, a good mate from back home in Biggenhill who stayed with me all the way through, the good and the bad, and, and we would sit in and play the PlayStation or whatever. But it was, yeah, I just, I just, you just distant yourself from it, Danny, because like, like the other lads say, you know, when are you going to be back? I know Sad's talked about it for about an hour and a half about his injuries. I'll try and nip mine in the bud after about 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they do ask, when are you going to be back? When are you going to be back? And, and you can't answer the question. So, as much as they, they mean well, yes, it's really hard after a while. But, you know, now I, I can't, you know, I, I go there as much as I can. And whenever I bring the boys back from here on tours, I'm always down the den straight away, get the boys in the club shop, buying some Millwall shirts, bringing them back and watching games. And, yeah, a special club, Dan, a really special club. Good. Uh, a special manager as well. You played under, we, we sort of skipped over it. Mark McGee. Mm. Ryan O'Maka get the sack and I... Obviously, I'm trying to get hold of McGee. I don't know. He's got no social media. If I can get hold of him, I will because, you know, people can't speak oddly enough of him that played for him. Yeah. No, 100%. And, and again, another person that I catch up with um, when I'm back. So I'll try and dig him out, Dan, and see if he wants to get on. I'm sure he'd love to. Um, and I think I think what what is, is simplifying it, but, you know, he knew how to get the best out of people. I think that's mm. something that he learned from the best. I mean, he learned from Ferguson and and others, you know, Alex Ferguson, that is for you younger lads. Um, you know, he learned from the best how to get the best out of people. And, you know, even I joked about it when he was in that dugout in that Ipswich Cup game, he was loving it because he could see the kind of people he was going to be working with, you know. Mm. And I think, you know, he really added some quality as well as we went along. And that was something I, I wrote down, you know, Darren Ward came in when I was injured. Ward, he was an exceptional professional um, you know, really worked hard, played some really important games and, and lots of games for the club and, and did really well and, and was a bit different as well. And, you know, t- but took everything well and, you know, nothing was ever really personal in our change room. Everyone seemed to know the boundaries. And Mark Mark was was excellent. Mark was definitely one of them. He knew, again, a bit like Jerry, and that's why they got on so well. He knew what to say to people and when to say it. As well as, you know, we, as, as young lads, we've never experienced a coach who's pulled you aside and said, you need to do this. This is what's going to make you better. And, you know, that's priceless to, to some people. And those boys that have gone on to make, you know, proper careers, you know, like Reedy and, and Ives and Timmy and Lucas and Tony Warner, you know, they, they remember. You, you remember things, David, and obviously Neil Harrison, Livers, and, and those boys, Nevers, Daishi. You remember those moments when somebody says something directly to you. And I think Mark and Ray and Archie were the first sort of people that started to do that to, to our, our new era of young lads, you know.
You, you played with some very, very good centre-halves along the way. Darren Ward, Scott Fitzgerald, Stuart Nevercott, Sean Dyche. If you could yeah. line up tomorrow at the Den alongside one of them in a starting eleven, who would you feel most confident playing alongside? Difficult oh, one, that oh. I know. Um, he'll, he'll, he probably won't forgive me. I've, I've got to say Dyche. As much as I'd, I'd want to say Nevers, because we had such a... Anyone who's played with Nevers will feel like they had a, a, a special relationship because he's a special guy. So, yeah, um, yeah but Dicey as a, as a footballer um, was 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 very good. And I wish yeah. I got to play with him more. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, Matty was a right back and then came into centre-half again probably when I was injured and Wardy came in after me. So I don't think I actually played with him at centre-half. But Fitzy was, a, was another... Fitzy was a little bit... Probably similar to me in that he wasn't a big, you know, six foot plus head it and boot it. So we were a bit too similar. He would be, he would be happy to fill in and, and cover and and pick things up. So um, and Daishi was like your perfect hybrid, you know. And I played with Dave Tuttle as well. Forgot Tuts and again the push you know, wagon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yeah, and, and, and a few people, he was underrated. He was underrated, but... As a centre half partner, you didn't know whether you were coming or going. So it, it was um, it, it was interesting. Like he had this heading technique where he would lean on the back of the centre forward and just do as little as possible to head the ball. Now, as the as the other centre half, you're thinking, is he going to head that or not? Because I don't know whether I've got to go here or there. So um, yeah, no touch. I played with touch as well. That was 
was an experience, definitely. But um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd go with Daishi, mate. Daishi, oh, tough. That is a, that is a very very tough call. But Daishi, I think you're the second person to say you'd have Daishi in that back four. So he must yeah, have been. He, look, in my mind, he'd always be remembered more. I know he played for us, but he's a very successful manager in the Premier League now. You sort of, oh, forget he played for us at times, but a lot of people are saying very good things about him. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if you're a goalkeeper and you want people in front of you that are going to understand what you want and what you're asking and you know what they're going to do, then that's why Tony would go for somebody like Daishi over a Nevers or a, or a Tuts or, a, you know, somebody who's a bit less communicative, you know. Nevers ain't a... He's a barker, but it's not necessarily specifics. And Daishi's very intelligent and, you know, would give you a lot of feedback and you'd know what was going on. He was a leader, mate. Leader on the field, leader off the field. Um, so, you know, that's that's the kind of bloke you want beside you nine times out of ten. Yeah. McGee done some wonderful things at the club, as we know, but along with that were some very good players and some great dressing room camaraderie. Mm. You, you played a few games. The, the season we won the league, you said you played a few games, didn't you, before? before yeah, you got- yeah, again, give us, uh, give us some stories on some of the boys in that dressing room. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the one that gets forgotten, he always comes last, I think, normally is David Livermore. Um, but I, I was actually, from where I played, I saw a lot of him in in the, in the roles that he played in, in midfield. He was he was something else. And he put, he, was, he put his body on the line, Dan. You know, if you... If you got Dave on now, I'm, I'm sure he'd tell you about his degenerative knee and all these other ailments that he's got. And I'm not surprised, mate, because he he threw himself around and, you know, did the unsung hero bit, you know. Um, and Birchie did as well. Birchie was a little bit different, but Birchie would come in and add something different to that midfield and he'd join in a little bit more. And, and obviously, Timmy just had that ability. And, and everyone needs it. If you're going to win a league, you need somebody like, Tim, who's a midfield player, is going to score you goals. It was just mm. such a bonus. Everyone was like, "Oh my god, he scored again! Oh my god, he scored again!" And you know, when you when you've got you've got Chopper up front, you know, we had some real quality, and and you've got to praise the, the staff at the club. And you know, nobody can can continually do that. You always have to regenerate. Um, Christoph, Christoph Kine, oh, we we um we had some days, some afternoons, some nights, some weekends. I remember once we were going to play golf and I think I was with Lucas and we were picking him up and we were ringing him going, where is he? It's be here. Like, he should be outside. And then we heard this massive crash and, like, the window was smashed. His golf clubs had come flying out the window and landed on the street. All of a sudden, his doors come flying open. We can hear Marie, his girlfriend, screaming. And Christoph's going, go, 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 go. We're like, (laughs) he ain't even got in the car yet. And we're like, oh, get the clubs, get the clubs, and we're off. And then he's just in the car like that. All right, boys, how's it going? We ready to go? Where are we playing? We're going, are you fucking right, mate? What the fuck's just happened there? She's in the street with two butcher's knives. Like, fuck. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, it's just an everyday occurrence for him now. She's looking she pulls his golf clubs out the window, through the window. Yeah. Because he wanted yeah. to go and play golf with, with the boys. Exactly. That was in. It was off. It was Otherwise, it was going to be a day in the Belgian Museum or something. But that went out the window when we rung him, I think. So, um, and, uh, you know, the, the thing was, like, we all lived, you know, I, I can picture where he lived. I knew where it was. It was round the back of Bromley Court Hotel. Um, Sag was obviously up on London Road. Timmy was on London Road. Um, Reedy was in Kingston. Um, so he's a little bit further away. Um, 
but you know, it, you know, with Robbie there and Tony was in Bromley as well. Tony was back round, sort of on the way to Chiselhurst, that sort of Plasto area. So you know, we were always minutes away from each other with whatever we wanted to do. And you know, it's funny the things you remember. Like this is this isn't even funny, but we used to have Friday Friday afternoons. We used to go to Geno's around the corner, and I don't think it's obviously not there anymore. And, and Tony introduced me to Spaghetti Vongole. I'm sitting next to wife. So we're like 17. Our fucking nose is still running. And Tony's at that end of the table and go, oh, Spaghetti Vongole. What the fuck is that? Me and him are going, me and him are going, he's, I was going, I'll have me four cheese pasta because that's all I do is pasta and cheese. And I'm like, uh, cheese and tomato. Spaghetti Vongole from a scouser at the other <laughs> end of the table. What's going on there? So another one, another one was Sad's was um, we were going to uh, uni and he, he came in to, he had to buzz on my door to come and get me. And um, and basically what had happened was I'd opened my front door. I just had a wooden floor put in on my on my floor, on my, in my hallway, right? So it's obviously raised the level of the floor up a bit. So I've gone and, and my phone started ringing and it was actually my, my missus, but she wasn't my missus then. But I've gone running back in to um, to to answer the phone and as i run in i've cracked my head on my fucking doorway into my <laughs> living room and i've gone also i've opened up i'm lying on the floor i've only got a dressing gown on which i've knocked myself out cold my head's fucking wide open like a tin of beans and sads has come in and gone is that your cock and that was the, that was when i that was when i came round. i was like oh what, what the fuck's happened here and I'd, I'd, op- I'd open myself up. And luckily, we only live around a corner from the training ground because I went down and it was a Wednesday or whatever day it was. We've got the doctor coming. He stitched my head up. had fucking 10 stitches across my head. And then off I went to school with fucking Sadler. <laughs> so uh, so he's, he's found you on the floor out cold. And all we could do was take the piss out the size of your cock. Absolutely. That is exactly what he did. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that obviously being knocked out cold, your cock's not going to be in its best and finest form. But still, yeah, it, it was what he did. I, like there's blood pissing out of my head and he's looking at my cock. Uh, that Cheers. sounds a bit wrong. But anyway. Cheers, Sad. It's nice and helpful. Yeah, exactly. No, and, and I suppose if there's, any, if there's anyone else to mention, um, I did write a couple of others and I just think – you know, you got you got people there like Father Owen, and Father Owen always saw me and Sads together. Like we would, we would almost stick together at the ground whenever we did go, so that people wouldn't ask us questions because they thought, "Oh, look, who's Father Owen?" Father Owen was the the padre from school. He uh, from from school from Millwall. So he used to go to every game. He used to bless us. He was our he was our local parish priest, Catholic priest. So Owen was his name, and he used to come to every game. And he, he just used to say to us that he'd run out of prayers. He couldn't pray anymore for us. <laughs> whatever whatever we've done, it must have been serious because he couldn't say any more prayers. But he was awesome. He was there. He was brilliant for us. And you know, you got you got people like the Wilson family. You know, De- Dean's still involved sponsoring. Karen's been there longer than I have. Um, Paul was there as the kit man, and Barry Rowan in 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 the hospitality, and Veronica, she's still there. Yeah. Mate, it's such a special club, and and you know, as long as as soon as we get out of this virus, and and God help us, we don't get too many more deaths out of it. You know, we'll, we'll be straight over. I'll be bringing more Aussies over and getting back to the club to to see everyone. <laughs> you run out of prayers. You run out. 
couldn't cleanse you any further. There's just nothing whatever, left to give. Nah, whatever you've done, whatever you two have done, it was pretty fucking serious because I can't, I cannot get you both back out on that field. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere you looked up there everywhere you looked there was a different character you know you could you could go up there and you know have a chat with him this week or him and you know it was the same it was the same crew and you know it was um just a brilliant place i remember the the, the pre-season the pre-season tours were great like we went to germany i think we did sweden we did canada um and I know I remember one incident in you know Spain. Spain? Did I say Spain? We went to we went to Monte Castillo. Oh my God! You could eat the oranges off the trees playing golf. That was with McGee. Um, Sads and Ray got really close on a night out, but I'm not I'm not telling you that story. And Sads has already been on, and I don't think you're going to get Ray. God bless him. But somebody might tell you that story, but I'm not telling you that story. Um, but our pre-season tours were were brilliant. Um, and I remember in Germany, this was how much I'd been in the gym. I beat Paul Moody at a um, what are their what are their steins? They're called steins, aren't they? When you hold a stein out and you hold it for as long as possible, I beat Paul Moody. Now, for me to beat Paul Moody in a stein holding contest, I must have been in the gym for a while. So um, yeah, we, <laughs> that's one of them giant beer glass things. Yeah, right? that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was holding it for for minutes and minutes because all I've been doing is being in the gym. So. Um, but I tell you one really good story, and again I had to check the date. It was in two thousand and three. It was the year England won the Rugby World Cup. But we, again, Mark moving us forward as he did. He brought, and I'm, I'm not sure whether he brought in Ben Stork or whether Theo did. Ben Stork was another really nice guy, um, a fitness coach. So he right. came in as our first. You know, nobody had fitness coaches then, and um, he also worked with the guys that worked with the England rugby team. So. Um, they invited us to a to an England rugby match, and they were playing Italy at Twickenham. And you know us; we've turned up mob-handed. There's twenty of us, and we're in the car park. And they've said, "Get there at like ten o'clock in the morning." And we're thinking, "Why? Why have we got to be here this early?" And we're all there in our Gucci loafers and Armani jeans, and well, some of us. I'm dreaming that I was wearing that. I probably was wearing Levi's and fucking Reebok classics. Um, <laughs> but this bloke, so one of their mates turns up who owns a pub in Isha turns up in his big transit van in the car park at Twickenham. And we're like, what the fuck's going on here? He opens the back of the van, and I, I kid you not, he gets a pub out of the back of his van. He gets a bar, he gets barrels of beer, he gets a pig on a spit, he gets his speakers out. We are at, we are in a pub in the car park in Twickenham, and we are bollocksed before the game's even started. We are all legless, and we, go, we try and get in. Some of us didn't even get into the game. And then some of us got in and we're in there falling asleep or puking in the seats. It was, and, you know, again, that was something that we as a group will never forget. And, yeah. and another thing that as a group they organised and we went and did it together. The doctor, Dr. Adam Carey, we then another night, a few of us went and had a meal in that restaurant in Isha and the blokes done two T-bone steaks as a, as a bet with the other two sports scientists. This guy nearly died, Dan. He went, literally, went white. There's nothing of him anyway. And he was going, ice cream, I need ice cream. So why the fuck does he need ice cream? He's the doctor, give him the fucking ice cream. So he's having ice cream, he's having ice cream to try and help digest this steak. And we were at the other end of the table going, what the fuck is going on here? Another beer, lads. And yeah, just, you know, the whole group, the whole the whole group that we got together was yeah, just just not the players like every the whole the staff everyone, the lot 
Yeah, the physios, the sports scientists, the doctors, the manager, you know, we just rolled on together. And, and if there was times when people stepped out of line, which I can't really remember, you know, they all soon realised that, that um, you know, they, they came back into line pretty quick. So just an amazing, yeah, amazing few years. So uh, we got the promotion. How long was you out for? This, this... So from, 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 from breaking your leg yeah. to then your cruciate again in training. Like... So, so all in all, I, I was out for th the best part of three years because I broke my leg towards the end of 2001. So that was the, the, league we, the, the year we won the league. Then before the next season, I remember going on the pre-season tour. I was getting fit. I was in training. I was training with the first team. So I wasn't far away. And that's when I did my, my cruciate. Now, cruciates back then were nine months, as I say. And, and that basically ruled the season out again. So that whole 0102, I never kicked a ball. Um, well, not in the first team anyway. So then the following year, I played the two games, didn't I? I played the Stoke, played the Bradford, and then done my cruciate again. So you've been um, out for that amount of time. You come out, played two games, and then done it again. Yeah, well, I, I trained and I played in the reserves. Obviously, you don't yeah, just come yeah. straight back in the first. So I would have played four or five games in reserves before they would have considered me. Mm. And then I suppose the one year that I haven't touched on is the FA Cup year. So the FA Cup year was was obviously the 03-04. And I got back fit during that year. And I think it was just that I, I didn't go on loan. I had to check, but I didn't go on loan. And I remember being training with the group and being with Ray and being with Wisey um, and, and just, again, being pleased and just being grateful, Dan, to be involved again, you know, just yeah. just even being out there, you know, was was amazing. And, and um, you know, I got back to playing. So I was I was in the reserves um, and I remember we had the PFA do towards the end of the year and Ray and Wisey were clamping down. I know Ives was talking about the fines for being late. And uh, so the PFA do was a big, big, flashing red light of, of chances of the lads fucking up and um again guess guess who i'm gonna blame danny guess who i'm gonna blame i'll go with robbie ryan robbie ryan mate robbie ryan again so we go out christmas do the of your life robbie ryan we go out and and for some unknown reason it's not like we're mates or anything but i was staying at his house because we are mates and it's all tongue-in-cheek um and um he was injured so he had to go in for treatment early for training the prick's gone out the door and locked it. I can't get out the fucking house. So I could literally, it was, you know, the new double glazing, every window's fucking locked. Every door's fucking locked. I couldn't get out. So oh, I've so got up. Turned the key and locked you in. Yeah, and gone. And fucked up the training. And I'm still in. I'm still in bed. <laughs> so I couldn't get out the house. So I missed all of training. Not some of it. I missed all of it. And I was just sitting there going, oh, Robbie, you need to get home. And anyway, I remember I played in a reserve game against Fulham like later that week or the following week, and Ray pulled me to one side and said, um, you know, you're going to be done a week's wages. And I was like, yeah. So that was probably about 250 by then. Um, and, uh, and you're not going to be able to travel with the team to the FA Cup final. So that was a bit of a gutter. Um, but that's, to be fair, it was only that. It was only travelling to the game so i wasn't able to go to cardiff the night before or the two nights before and why, um, why was so, that because was that as a punishment yeah, yeah it was a punishment so i wasn't allowed to be part of that part of the journey because of robbie so, ryan locked you in his house because robbie ryan locked me in his fucking house yeah i mean anyone would think i was a left back and i wanted his position didn't even plan his fucking position dan geezer was just trying to get rid of me 
Fucking hell. I think it's because I played for Northern Ireland. Must have been. Did you not say, hang on, Robert, you're going to have to like explain what's happened here. <laughs> I can't remember. Dan, I actually can't remember. <laughs> All I remember is I stayed at his house. The door was locked. I couldn't get out and I got fined a week's wages. Um, but... Uh, yeah, and, and so that meant all I did, I went down with my mates who were going. I had a lot of mates at my school, Danny, who I grew up as a Palace fan. And I know a few people know that because I was actually born in Harrow. I was born in, in Middlesex in North London and uh, moved over to, to Biggin Hill when I was six. And my next door neighbour used to go to Palace. So I started going to Palace games and um, and watched them. And it was only when, obviously, I, I signed for Mill and started playing for Mill that I developed a deep-seated fucking hatred for Palace, um, especially with the likes of Clinton Morrison in their team. Yeah. Um, Hayden Mullins, before I got to know him, I thought he was a cock as well. Um, you know, there was a few others, Rob Quinn, um, Wayne Carlyle, uh, who I actually played with in Northern Ireland, uh, Andy Martin. Um, so we had some proper bust-ups with, um, with the Palace lads. So, you know, that was, that was, I obviously then didn't have a club to, to support, which is a weird feeling because you sort of, as a, as, a, as a guy, as a man, you always want to follow a team. Um, mm. But obviously, Pat was gone. So, so Millwall was my team. And I just followed Chelsea because obviously I, I still knew a few boys that were there and I knew I wasn't ever going to be playing against them again. Um, so, you know, it, the, the, my mates back home at my school, a lot of them supported Millwall. And, and obviously, when I went to them, you know, they were, they couldn't believe it. And obviously I tried to look after them and as much as I could with tickets and a, a good mate, Paul Cooper is, is over in Ireland now, still flies over and goes to the games. And it's, it's things like that that you, you get to realise how much people really love this club. And, and I do, I do in a different way, but I, I do the, the same. And we had a night down in Bristol, so I didn't go to Cardiff, so I went out in Bristol instead. And then, um, <laughs> I was able to go to the game and I was able to sit with Tony and, and Kevin Muscat, who was obviously injured as well. And Muzzy, Muzzy's a really good mate of mine as well now. Obviously, he was over in Melbourne until he's gone to Belgium. You know, he's trying to further his career and hopefully get back to, to the UK as a coach um, in the future. And, and so I got to St. David's Bay. I think that's where we stayed after the cup final. And uh, again, mate, by then, you know, we'd moved on, Dan, as, as a team um, we were we were far and beyond where I was as a player, um, but I, I, honestly, that was the way I, I looked at it. By then, was I was lucky to play. I was lucky to be able to play at all. So I'd done my two cruciates. I'd, I'd broken my leg, but you know there were still people willing to 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 help me. And Theo was the one. So in 0405, Theo said, "Look, just come down to my little club, Walton and Ursham. You know, it's down the road from me. Come down and play and, and see how you get on." And there was a fella there uh, who took the team, um, who's managing Woking now. Christ, what's his name? Douse, Alan Dowson. And I think Douse, Alan Dowson might have played for Millwall for a period. Anyway, he was a Walton and Ursham manager, and I played there for a few months. And then Crawley Town wanted to have a look at me. So I went to Crawley Town. And I'm still a Millwall player, but people are helping me, Danny. And, and the club were helping me. Mm. They didn't let me go. They, they wanted to, to, to help me carry on. And, so I played for Crawley for a few months, and they they had a good side: Charlie McDonald and um, Ian Simpemba, Robbie Watkins, um, Alan Tate. You know, really good players and non-league players, and they they went on to win the league that year, which I think was the conference. Um, and then Stockport came in for me. Chris Turner was the manager, and, and so I was like, "Wow, this is actually going all right. I could I could keep going. I couldn't, I, you know, Dan. I couldn't run really. I, I had to say, the injury the injury stopped by then, but there was obviously will always underlying issues be there. You just yeah. couldn't play at the same level. 
yeah, and, and as I say, by then I'm 25 and I'm, 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 I've got bigger shoulders and I've got a big ass, and, you know, I'm not saying I didn't, I wasn't going to get one of them anyway, but, you know, the, the Big Hill Social Club probably had a fair bit to do with that. Um, but I um, I was, a, I had to, I knew by then I'd started to learn about the game and I knew I had to, do, I had to change the way I played because people were looking at me going, I want him to edit and kick it. I want him to lead the others. I want him to be, with respect, I want him to be the Stuart Nevercott. Do you know what I mean? The one who wants to go into the battles and let the, the younger lads. And I actually was fortunate. Well, I'd say he was fortunate. Ashley Williams, the centre-half who uh, yeah. plays for Wales. And, you know, he, he started at Stockport and I played with him at Stockport. Um, and he was the young lad. So even though I was only 25, he was probably 17, 18. Um, and we were, you know, we were struggling at the bottom of, championship or maybe league one no money the club was struggling but i was playing and, and we got the odd win and a couple of draws and obviously you know met up with my wife again which was a major major plus and then i finished that year down at brighton back with mcgee again mark's trying to help me out and you know brought me down and i played a few championship games for them and they were they were really struggling to stay up that year and it was it was crucial and i remember playing at coventry away um, and then I think we had Leicester at home. We got a draw. I think he brought Dion in. But I met great people there. You know, Guy Butters was there, um, who I played centre-half, who actually had a bigger ass than me. Um, <laughs> but the best thing about that season finishing up was that um, Brighton, I was on the bench by then, but Brighton drew with West Ham on the last day, which kept them up. And McGee was happy. And, and again, he, he told me the truth. He sat me down after the season, Dan. Everyone's going on holiday and everyone's feeling happy. And I'm I'm thinking he's going to offer me a contract from, from 2005 onwards. And he goes, Joe, you're fucking overweight, mate. You're 15 stone. Like, you need to lose a stone. And I was like, well, you need, need to get me out of a room with Guy Butters then because I've got fucking no chance with him. Um, <laughs> so... So I was again. I was I was heartbroken because I was I quite liked it down there. It's quite a nice part of the world, and I was thinking this will do. Um, Adam Virgo was there. I don't know if you remember Virgs. He went on to Celtic, but he was he was doing really well. Um, so and and Eiffel mentioned one of the El Abs, and Adam El Ab was was at Brighton. I think he mentioned the other brother. So you know you you connecting your network and and you know you're mm. making friends everywhere because you know people, you know I'm lucky to be walking, let alone running around. So. Um, over that summer, um, I could have gone back to Brighton, but it wouldn't have been a contract. It would have been come back and see how you get on. Um, and Leighton Orient offered me a deal. So I went to Orient um, and, again, met some great people. Gary Alexander, you know, we, we played each other, played against each other so many times. At, you know, I was kids. He was at West Ham um, and I was at Chelsea and then Millwall. And we knew of each other, played against each other. Um and I got on really well with him. Still really good mates of him now. Matty, Matty Lockwood, who played left-back. John Mackey, who was a centre-half. And again, I got binned from there after about, I don't know, a couple of months when Martin Ling, the manager, decided to, to pick Gabby Zakawani, who was a young local lad. And I, again, I was like, well, he's not going to go on and do anything. I think they sold him to Fulham for a million pound, like about three <laughs> months later. So um, I think they got that right and all. And then I, I just started playing non-league and, and I was at Canvey and, and then went to Basingstoke. And all the time, you know, all, that, all the time I was going down in, in my football levels, I was pleased to be able to play at all, Danny, you know. It was, yeah. um, it, you know, it, it just... And, and so grateful to the people along the way that, that managed to keep me going and keep me together because, 
you know, you ask any, you ask, you, you know, Dan, you know, even at conference South level, you still got to play. You still got to be able to, you know, as much as I mug it off and I'm, I'm laughing and joking, it's still a decent level. And, um, you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed playing at any level. It's obviously, it's not championship, which is where, you know, I was mm. so pleased to see the club had got to, you know. Um, but I was, I was happy to be able to play at all. And, you know, still went back to see everybody by then. And, you know, I, nobody's, I had to mention, I've got to mention Nelly. I don't know if you know Nelly, Dan, but Nelly was an old fan who was always in the, the bar afterwards. I think she got to 90 plus and passed away, bless her, a couple of weeks ago. And, yeah. um, you know, she was, she was a real special, there's so many people at the club, but Nelly, God rest her, she was, she was brilliant and everyone remembered her and a really special club. And as I say, a lot of people that helped me, to carry on with with my career after after Millwall. So, to be fair, Theo's uh, give you an absolute wealthy there, isn't he? A three year deal when you when you land with a broken leg. That must have been yeah. not just testament to the, to the player you what you was. He knew you could be, but the character you you, you brought to the club as well. What was he like, Theo? Uh, other than that <laughs> one incident. Yeah, I, whenever I spoke to him, he was an absolute gent, and I, and I spoke to him a few times since. And again, and this is down to you again, Dan, I texted him. I texted him the other day when I was I was listening to these because I thought you're definitely going to ask me to do it. You're bound to, obviously, being a 45, being a 45 game legend. Um, I, I texted him and I just said, Theo, you know, I just thought I'd drop you a bell. I hope you're all right. Um, thanks again for all your support. You know, my family are living here. This is what we're doing. And, and his reply was, Joe, great to hear from you. I haven't done Australia yet. Um, he just been he just been to a Liverpool game, so he still loves football, and and he mm. just said really nice for you to touch base and get in touch, and you know hopefully we'll catch up again soon, and um, you know it's important. It was nothing to him then, Danny. It was nothing. It was probably you know Bob Pearson in his ear going, look, let's look after him, and you know it wasn't big money, but it mm. was enough, you know, for me and my family to say, you know, this club's really made a a positive impact on me at such a time where, you know, you could have thrown me out of my ear sort of thing. So Theo was amazing for us. And, you know, you look at the management decisions that he made. Did he get any of them wrong, really? I don't know. I mean, when McGee left, again, we were all shocked and and surprised when Rhino and Macca left. Mm. And, you know, we were all shocked when McGee left. And, you know, when Wisey left, I looked a little bit later on. I think Theo might have gone by then when Wisey left. I think that was the case. I think Theo was leaving and there was a new chairman coming in and, and Wisey knew that it was probably going to be, you know, we saw what happened after that. Um, so, you know, Wisey didn't want any part of that really. So, yeah, it was, I think he did a great job as a chairman and, and I, the club were in a terrible state, weren't they, Dan? You know, when he took over, we all know looking back, it was, it was in a terrible state. So with what he did in that time, with the managers and the players, he deserves a lot of credit. And I'm, I'm definitely one that's very grateful for, for what he did for us. No, well, I, there was only one that I can't remember. I still can't remember it now. Well, Wikipedia um, has cut I, you down to three, so... Oh, have they? <laughs> no, 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 no. I've definitely got four. I've definitely got four. So the first one, the first one was Chesterfield away. I'll, I'll never forget that one because it was a fucking belter. It was about 20 yards out. And what had happened was we'd gone 2-0 down early. So Rhino and Macca were fuming. And I was going up for a, for a free kick. We had a free kick wide or whatever. And somebody's played it short. And I was halfway up the field. And I was like, fuck, do I keep going? Do I go back? Fuck it, we're 2-0 down. Let's go. So I've carried on running. And it's eventually found its way into the box and just dropped down to me. And I've just kept running and belted it in the top corner. We ended up losing 2-1. But me, Reedy 
and Paul Eiffel were going mental celebrating it because it was and all we did we, we celebrated it for about 10 seconds and then we heard Rhino going oi get back we were like, oh, fucking hell. Better get back in position. So that was that was my first one, and then I scored in the FA Cup against Wickham away. Again, I think we drew that or lost that. I threw, and I scored against Peterborough away, and yeah, the other one was a home game, and I think it was Brentford, but it might have been Bury. Um, but yeah, not not many, but um, yeah, it was. Uh, they were. They were memorable, apart from that one. I'm sure it was Brentford, but I, I checked. <laughs> I went back and I was, it was sort of Berry. It says on that on that Millwall stats one, it says Berry at home, so it might have been Berry. But um, yeah, I was happy with him. They're really wrong on their Millwall stats, mate. They, they do know their stuff. Yeah. What um, if you could pick one one memory that stands out for you at the club? Do you know it don't even have to be on the pitch? Just just anything from your time at Millwall. Um. Yeah, I think it would have to be it would have to be on the pitch, and it would be after that Stoke game. So that was um, yeah, I think that was yeah that was o two o three. So I'd, it was o three, I think cause it was later in the season. So I'd been injured for two years, and obviously then went on to get injured again for another year after that. But mm. the whole you know that that Stoke game on the telly was probably one of my worst moments. You know, we were we were all young and in and out of the team, but we were quite. Um, what's the word not influential uh, easily affected I can't, I can't remember I can't think of the words but you know when people told you were shit you were like oh fucking we are shit so mm. that, that losing that game on a telly that was that wasn't great um, so to be able to have got through the injuries and to be able to go back to that stadium you know I, I, I went back in my head to that game you know and you're like fuck you the last thing you want to do is is come back here and, and have another shocker have so people, yeah yeah, and we played really well, and Stoke were a good side, um, and a one-nil win away from home at the Britannia. Again, I think it was a night game, Dan. I think it was a night game, so I was obviously better at night. Um, so you know, I, I would night. say that that photo. My mum blew that photo up, and it was it was in her house for for years, um, and that was that was a real special memory. I think um, you know, a little bit of a different memory, you know. Steve Grit was a major part of, of my development as well. Another guy, Danny, that, that again, people talk highly of, but took that took that reserve team manager's role and, and, and really took pride in it, treated yeah. it like a first team, you know, and, 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 and uh, you know, some of the older pros mugged him off and the rest of us sort of got on their backs and went, fuck off, he's doing, you know what I mean? They, they, were, they were sort of shooed out of it. He, he did it so well and we won the reserve league that we were in, whatever that was. You know, we got presented the trophy on the pitch, and you know, as, as a as an older bloke now, you look back and you go, "Win, you're you're lucky to ever win anything." And I even yeah. remember back that you know, no matter how good a team you play in, and to play at Wembley, and we won, we won the we won a Kent Cup or a London Cup as an under eighteen group. You know, with Ronnie and Ives and uh, Reedy, and you know, I remember that and. You know, we were lucky to win anything and, and um, you know, Gritty was a major part of that. So, you know, being a captain on those occasions, lifting trophies, that's that's important. But yeah. I think I think definitely that if I had to pick one moment, it would be on that Britannia. And obviously I was looking up at my mum. That was the thing. And my mum and dad had come up. So to win one nil and put a few demons to bed, that was that was a good memory. But no, that was that was what I wanted to say. So the whole plastic paddy bit. That whole bit has got a bit of a story because 
obviously everyone's getting hammered. Everyone's getting hammered constantly. Tony Warner, Birchie, Chopper. They're fucking firing bullets. Lucas, they're, they're all over you all the time. So, you know, you've got to be resilient. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to melt. And I, don't get me wrong, I melted a few times. I remember melting outside Sadz's house because a bird said she didn't want to be my girlfriend. And, and I'm thinking... Like she, I was going to marry her. I was going to marry this girl. There was no two ways about it. And and almost the most heartbreaking thing about it, Danny, I've I've gone right. I'm going to have to walk and get the bus home. She's gone back into Sadie's house. So she <laughs> she obviously saw something in there that she liked, and I'm on my way home. <laughs> she's gone back into the party at Casa del Sally. Well, there, there you go. There you go. So whatever she whatever she saw in there, she was happy with. But no, again. You know the the other thing I wanted to, I wanted to mention was the whole you know Sads Sads was a great mate to me, um, you know we we got on so well but I'm not having this addiction bollocks. The only thing he's addicted to is large farmhouse pizzas with sweet corn, chicken wings and coke because the bloke was a lightweight. I don't care what anyone says. He's, he reckons he's a, he he would have, he would have two shandies and he'd be at home. It, all he wanted was to go to bed. All he wanted was to go to bed so he could order another pizza the next day. That's what he lived on, pizzas. But he's got to sell books, isn't he? But no, we'll get to it. So the whole the whole plastic paddy bit, so I used to get that until Reedy obviously played for the Republic because Sads and Robbie were the main target of everyone's fucking – because so intelligent but yet so lacking in common sense. Once, I kid you not, they went round the M25 – the whole way because they missed one junction. They missed one junction and they said to each other, oh, sure it's a sure it's a circle, isn't it? We'll just carry on fucking going and we'll get back there in a fucking minute or two. <laughs> fucking five and a half hours, five and a half hours later, they get back to junction four, which is oh, where they God. fucking Good. I swear to God, that is that is a true story. Now I would <laughs> I would I would I would hammer them, right? I would be laughing like one of like protecting myself and then when it, when the irish boys come over i'd like to go and be part of their gang and then robbie and sad be like hey fuck off what are you doing you're either with us or you're against us because <laughs> i like the irish culture do you know what i mean i like yeah. the booze and drinking and the games but they were well, like listen mate oh hilarious hilarious and that is a true story and again only robbie ryan can come on and tell me it's not because Sads has already been on. And you can't have Sads on again. You ain't got enough tape. Fucking hell. <laughs> Joe, honestly, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been brilliant. Thanks for joining us, mate. All the best. No problem. Cheers, Danny. Thank you, mate. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 